You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Hey everyone, this is part two of a conversation I'm having with Leanna Tankersley about um, deepening relationships. And we thought um, sort of at the end of our conversation uh, from the last episode, we were really beginning to talk about how do you create this in a group setting and the complexities of that. And so we thought we'd give a little more, um, a little more information about sort of what we've learned in running groups over the last couple of decades and what not to do. We know a lot about what not to do, I would say. (laughs) Would you not? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So we will for sure share those tips. Um, And then also, uh, what do you do when things get messy, when there's conflict, when um, people start talking about each other, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of things that can go sideways when humans get involved in interactions in groups. So, um, but at the same time, like both of us ex- have experienced, like, I would say very transformative um, healing in group settings. And so as much as it's complicated, it's also um, profoundly unique. And yeah, I don't, I don't know where I would be without... Yeah some of those experiences that I've had and the, the women who have like committed themselves to like doing life with me in a really vulnerable way. Yes. It's worth it. That's the phrase that comes to mind. It's worth it. There will be patches that are hard. There will be conflict. There will be times when you feel misunderstood um, as is true in any relationship that really matters, but it's worth it. It's worth Mm -hmm. it to hang in there and to, um, and to keep coming back to the table. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, I would say the same thing. It's just, it's, it's worth um, nurturing these connections, even though it's not always easy. Right. Right. So if, if someone were to say to you, Leanna, like, I want to start a group, I've sort of gathered some women that I think will be super interesting. And I've said, Hey, are you interested in spending some time together, like meeting once a week and just like talking about our lives? Um, how, how did you guys start or what are some of the things that you guys have used in your groups to get a group going to create bonding with each other? Cause sometimes women are coming in who don't know each other at all. So you're, you can be starting at ground zero sometimes. Yes. Yes. Um, so a few things when we started, I just felt like it was very important because we did have um, women in our group who did not know each other that, um, the expectations, and I talked a little bit about this last time, but that the expectations were extremely clear. And Mm. so everyone, as much as we possibly could, we all knew what we were signing up for and what the expectations of us were so that um, we could say no if we didn't want to be there. But if we chose to be there, we knew what we were committing to. And so that was a, um, a certain amount of time in each. We met weekly starting out. So um, and everyone had agreed to that and how much time we would meet 
and then the duration, like we're going to go six months and then reevaluate. And then we came up together with, um, and I, I, um, I came with some of this already drafted, like these are the values that I'd like to present to you guys and say that we're all kind of agreeing. And we actually had like a, um, oh, well, I don't even know what you call it. Um, it was like a contract, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that would be like a, that might be like a scary word, but um, it's like a promise you're making to each other. Yes. That's very clearly yeah. articulated. Yeah. And maybe it was, maybe we even called it a covenant or growth group covenant. I think we did, but yeah. I came with some of the values that I had thought through because I was the one that was, um, had reached out and kind of invited the women. And then we went through those and, um, I had it actually on paper <laughs> and then I asked them for their input. And then, um, we all, then I, I included their input and then we all signed it. Actually, I have, I have like a, uh, something from like 15 years ago that we all signed saying, yeah, we're green to this. Mm -hmm. And so it was just very clear. And, and I included things like we, like confidentiality and let's define that. So when I yes. say confidentiality, does that mean that you can go home and talk to your husband about stuff that we talked about in our group, you right. know? And so we really got specific about what terms meant. And, um, and so, and then, uh, the first night I said, we're going to come and we're going to do collages. And so each person got like a mini poster board and we just made collages the first night. And, um, we probably had a glass of wine or we had coffee and popcorn or something. I don't know. We went through, we've gone through a lot of phases with our snacks. Snacks was part of the covenant, <laughs> like good snacks. Good snacks. I mean, yeah. does anything in the world get done without good snacks? I don't think so. <laughs> Right. And then it's like a pleasure to be there because you have all this delicious food and everyone had to bring an offering if they could, you know, and something small. But um, but that was part of our covenant is that we would have good snacks. Um, so we did the first night we did a collage and it was just it was a way to introduce yourself. So things that you valued, things that you found beautiful, parts of your story. It could be anything. And we started there and everyone made a collage and shared it that first night. And then um we uh, divided up into, um, I think it was two people per evening and everyone took um, time to tell their life story. And so we really took a long time to do that. And every time a new person came into the group that they were on the hot seat and they had to tell their life story. And um, this is like, when you're telling your life story, you're, you're, you're telling the, um, the, the bits and pieces that are, uh, formative, formational, yeah. Yeah. and, um, not just like facts necessarily. So, um, that was just, it's a huge way to get into the deep end with each other, um, to hear like, this is my story and this is what my childhood was like. And this was a really traumatic thing that happened to me. And so we did that. And then, um, from there, our format was every week we would come and depending on how many people were in the group and for how long we were going to meet that night, every person got a specific amount of time. Usually it ends up being about 10 to 15 minutes and you take your whole time and you share, um, what need, what you need to share something that's really going on in your life. And the other thing I would add is that, um, in the last few years we have made, I was in the last like five years, uh, we've made a commitment to get together, um, for a weekend once a year. Mm -hmm. And, I think you and I both know, I mean, we all know yeah. that getting away together, yeah. it just fast forwards connection, totally. you see people in a different context, you stay mm -hmm. up late, 
you know, your cook, we, we would go out one meal, but then we cook together. That's a really bonding thing. Mm -hmm. So I also, when it feels like maybe six months in or so, give it a little time, but going away together can also be a really special way to cement these relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think all of that uh, is sort of, was sort of our approach too, when we started group is we need time for each of us to tell our story. And that's, we have to create some foundational understanding of one another that's beyond like, oh, hey, you have two kids and, you know, whatever, right? Like, um, we, needed, we needed to know some things about each other before we could even really start to have meaningful conversations. And um, just this idea of like, this is the level of conversation we're going to have. It's going to be deeper. It's going to be vulnerable. And that will be scary for probably all of us. But that's what we're going to do. Um, I'd love to go back to talking about um, confidentiality, like specifically, right? Like for me, it was really important to say that the things that it's like Vegas, the things that happen there yeah. here stay here. here. Yes. Right. Like um, it's, it's just, it just will really get in the way if people have to worry about what I say, I'm going to tell you this very vulnerable story and I'm, I, now I'm going to have to worry about what you're going to do with that story. And so I think it can be very helpful to say very overtly and to say, do you all promise that? Mm -hmm. Are you all comfortable with promising that? Because some people will argue, well, I feel like I should be able to tell my partner anything. I'm like, well, um, actually in here, we are saying that that's not, you can tell your partner anything about yourself, obviously. Right. Feel right. free to share anything that you said that you felt this evening that you noticed about yourself that you learned about yourself. Of course, you should share share all of that. But if I wanted your partner to know my story, I would tell them personally. Right. 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 They're and not. I they're, think that is an important distinction um, because a lot of people don't consider that. I was surprised they don't consider yes. that a breach of confidentiality. They don't. So they you don't. you might assume that's a given. But for the next person, it's like, well, we fall asleep and we tell each other all about our day as we're falling asleep. And that's what we do. And I don't, I'm not going to keep anything from this person. And it's like, well, that's, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're agreeing to. So yeah. don't make any assumptions, right? Don't make any assumptions. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's very important to say overtly and to say, are you all comfortable with making that commitment? Yes. Um, yep. And, and if somebody's not comfortable making that commitment, I think it's okay to say, well, I wonder if this is the kind of group for you. This might not be, this might not be a place where you're going to feel comfortable. You might feel like, gosh, there's too many rules here or, or whatever. Yeah. And allowing people time to get out, um, I think can be helpful. Um, I just noticed over the years of doing groups that like sometimes people want the idea of mm. group and then they get in and. And then some of the messiness starts of maybe this piece of confidentiality of feeling like, gosh, I've never, I've never tried to keep secrets before. And now you're asking me to keep secrets. Yeah. That's uncomfortable to me. Or I've never really shared the deeper meaning behind these experiences I've had. And now you're asking me to do that. Um, so I've, I've certainly found that over the years, there have been people who like thought they wanted it, but once they got into it, it was really too overwhelming to them or too uh, messy for them. And so I think it can be helpful at times to also say, gosh, if at any point you're not feeling like this group is right for you, let yes. us know, yes. let us know. And we will give you a hug and wish you well. Yeah. Um, 
that's such a good point. Like, don't, don't lock someone in who's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or I don't have the capacity to do this like I thought I did, or it's too painful. And then, yeah, you've got this person locked in who, who really can't, it's not good for them. It's not good for them. And it certainly isn't good for the group. So I love that. That's very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of walking that line between like, I'm going to ask you to do things that are hard for you to do because I think that they're going to take you to a deeper place in your own life and in your relationships with the women in this room. So I'm going to invite you into that, but I also want to make sure that I'm not overwhelming you when I do that. Yeah. So, you know, letting each person decide for themselves is, is this what I wanted? Um, is some, and a lot of women will be like, this is exactly what I want. Right. Um, right. but then someone will be like, mm, actually I was looking for something for a little more structured. I wanted to like, fill in answers to questions. And yeah, like, yeah. 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 Sure. You should go find that. That's not what we're doing here. Um, and if this is, if this is too messy for you, we get it. We get it. It's hard. Yes. And, um, mm-hmm. I think also that while there are elements of this kind of group that are social, mm-hmm. it's not, um, there isn't a lot of extra time for a lot of Yes. And so we would have like 10 or 15 minutes in the front where everyone's kind of arriving and getting settled, which would be our social time. But we really had to cut that off um, when it was time so that we could honor, so, so that we weren't at someone's house till 2 a.m. Yes. You know? Yeah. So right. that's the other thing is I think people, sometimes we're just longing for social connections and lighthearted conversation and like a cooking club or something, you know? Right. And so- it, and that is so valuable to all these things are valuable. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of um, what you want and need. And we also, we clarified, like, are there expectations that we're hanging out together outside of this group? Oh, good. I mean, yeah. I mean a lot of it was clarified, you know, yeah. uh, are we all expected to become best friends and go to the movies every Friday night and double date with our partner? No, that's, that's right. not necessarily expected of you. And yeah. so just being really clear on, what we're here for. And, um, and then, you know, that's, what's so great about going away together. There's a lot of social time and we have to this day, we have uh, um, a WhatsApp text thread that we're all on like a group, a group chat. And that thing is like on fire. I mean, that (laughs) thing is on fire. And so that is, um, that's a helpful way to pass information around. We're all spread out. I mean, literally all over the world now. And so um, it's a really sweet way to be able to stay in touch share stupid mundane details from our day that's funny, um, mm-hmm. send a voice memo to everyone so that people can hear each other's voices. Um, yeah. Someone will, you know, sing a song to us, you know, just sweet little things that um, okay. keep us all connected. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so bonded, even though it's so much more difficult to stay in touch long distance, but you, because of the years you put in with each other, that investment is really paying off and being able to maintain these authentic relationships. We have all of that to call back and fall back on. Um, so it's been very sweet to maintain, um, to just maintain our commitment to each other and people can get on and rant and rave and, you know, and, and rage and it's fine. Everyone's yeah. like, we totally see you. And that sounds horrible. And which is, I think something else that we should talk more about is, um, advice giving yes. people out of their feelings. Um, right. these things that I feel like are a, another just railroad to vulnerability. Um, yeah. And 
so how, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think of I think of the purpose of these kinds of group is getting to the story behind the story. And for me, that means that like, you know, say a woman is sharing, um, uh, you know, my my dad was an alcoholic during my childhood and that was difficult. And, you know, whatever she might be saying about that. Part of what I'm hoping is going to happen as we have conversations about that is that we're going to be able to create a safe place and an invitation for her to talk about um, really what that was like for her and how that is showing up in her life today, Mm. right? Like how does that impact how she's able to trust others or how, how, what does she do with her emotions, right? Like these are things that we're, we're hoping to create invitations for people to talk about these things. And I know that might sound like, well, that's something that a therapist would do. And I think that that's true, that it can be challenging to do that. But I think what often happens um, organically is when people are given enough space and really good validating um, mm-hmm. and without the advice giving, without somebody getting anxious and glossing over things or trying to, you know, tie a pretty bow around things as people will go deeper into their stories and they'll find themselves saying like, yeah. And I, I just wonder if like a lot of my rage that I experience now that I'm like spreading on my kids and my spouse is really, but like, I think I've just been mad forever. Right. Right. And that's, that's the money spot for me is like, I'm really hoping to help people make connections. And I think you can do that without a therapist in a, in the room. Um, and you do that by creating a really inviting environment for people to just take their time to go deeper into something. But the thing that will stop us is our own anxiety, right? So mm-hmm. anytime you find yourself giving advice, trying to wrap something up, trying to get to somebody to stop crying or like, you know, patting on the leg and saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We're going to figure this out. You know, whatever that is, it's like to remind yourself, that's my own anxiety. I'm just feeling really worried about helping this person. I don't know what to do. I feel overwhelmed by their feelings. I feel responsible to fix this. I feel overwhelmed how with how it connects to my story. That's your anxiety, and it is hijacking your ability to be helpful in that moment because it's telling you, give advice, shut it down, wrap it up, right? Like those mm-hmm. are those are things that your anxiety tells you to do. They're not actually productive for the process. It's so good. It's so good, and it it's very easy to find yourself in one of those moments unaware, and you're it's like you're a runaway train. Yes. You know, you're, you're trying to compartmentalize that person and, and get them, get them fixed and back into a stable state right. and, uh, before you even realize you're doing it, you know, and it is so unhelpful. And, and as we have said before, who of us enjoys that when it comes our direction, you know, it's very right. rarely, helpful. it's very rarely new information. It's like, okay, got it. You know, I hope you feel better. And, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not helpful to the the overall um, depthing of that person and yeah. their trust of the situation. So I think that's so good. And I think we have to make that overt in the moment, right? Like to, for someone to say, gosh, it sounds like we're feeling really worried about you and we're sort of mm-hmm. slipping into trying to fix this for you. And we just have to take a minute and remind ourselves that 
other people's problems are like our own. They're often long-term and complicated and need to be solved by the person they belong to. And that us getting, uh, letting, letting our anxiety run the show is really going to actually make it more difficult for them to move forward. Yes. Yes, that is, yes, it's so good. I think particularly this can be tempting um, when we are seeing ourselves as the leader, quote unquote, yes. you know, like, yes. okay, I'm the leader of this group and I brought us all together. And so I need to be the one to kind of guide the conversation or guide this person's processing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I want to really caution all of us um, about putting ourselves in that seat and yes, you might be the person that said, I'm going to organize this and I'm going to assign snacks, but be very careful about coming in with particular agendas that you feel like you've got to push because you are um, sitting in the seat of the leader. And yeah. the way I see it is all that means is as the facilitator or the organizer of the group is that you are setting the tone and, and you are coming in like um, going first. Uh, modeling depth, Mm -hmm. modeling authenticity. That's all it means is like, you're going to, you're going to be the one to open your heart and your guts first. So, you know, there you go. You're not going to sit back and, and, and be self-protected and ask this of everyone else. And I think that that is also a difference in other groups sometimes where there's a person that's kind of upfront Mm -hmm. who's leading everything, but they're not actually participating And if someone shares, then they feel like they need to um, rescue that person because they're the leader. And so I also just want to caution all of us um, that that is a that's a destructive posture to the kind of group we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's exactly how I ran groups when I first started them. Right. Like it's like, like hearing you describe them like, yeah, uh uh-huh. That was me. That was me. Like before I was willing to look at my own story. I, I liked being the leader because it gave me, um, it gave me a role and it sort of secured a position for me. Right. And we talked last time about like my own worries about never feeling necessary in a group. And one of the ways I could make myself necessary was to be the leader. But I did that totally in this way of like being one up and being in a protective place and inviting other people to do the work that I was not willing to do. And that, of course, is always going to end badly because people can feel that kind of deceit or self-protectiveness, even if it's unconscious. They yes. can feel that from a mile away. And eventually they're like, I'm out, man. Like you you, you are not even smoking what you're selling. So yeah. I'm not yeah. sure how this is going to work. The other thing yes. that makes me think about is like, there've been times over the years where I've wondered, do, does somebody have to lead? Like, and I've wanted it to just work organically, but I yeah. think I've always come back to like, we actually need someone to say, it's time to start. This yeah. is what we're going to do today. Oh, remember our rules, right? Like remember our commitment to each other that, um, I've wanted that not to be necessary, but I've not found that work if we just left it to like whoever, right? Right. I would say um, that those roles need to be filled, but you don't have to fill all of them. So like the person that times in our group is not me because I'm just not good at it. I, Mm -hmm. I will get so engrossed that I will let a person talk for an hour, you know, and it's not, it's not helpful. So I need someone else to someone else keeps the timer because they're gentle but firm (laughs) and um 
so gracious. Thank you very much. You have one minute left. And I just, I I couldn't be present if I were timing someone too. And so that needs to be done, but it doesn't have to be done by me. And also just depending on what's going on in everyone's lives, like if we're planning one of these getaways, someone else, divvy up responsibilities and all of that. But the thing that I do feel, yeah, just practically speaking, someone needs to come in and, and take responsibility for setting the tone of what this is going to be and become mm-hmm. and, and do that by example, not by standing back. Yeah. What, uh, what are some of the things you guys have tried when, if you've had somebody in your group who really blows past the boundaries of the time, right? Who just like wants to take a lot more time and really makes it very difficult for others to participate. There have been times where, and a lot of this is situation driven. There have been times where someone's in a crisis or going through something very significant. And we come to the table at the beginning and someone often will say, hey, I don't have a lot to share this particular week. I'd like to give my time to Susie because I know we need a big share from Susie because we know this huge thing is going on for her. And so um, there are times where we've done that, you know, and I don't like to do that all the time. But um, there's times where we've done that. And having the timer, the person who's the timer that's, again, gracious but firm, um, we haven't had a lot of, like, once we started timing, it was pretty, like, okay, that's it, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but there was flexibility in, um, in you know, if, there's, if someone's going through something really significant, like I said, that they're going to need more time, and that's okay. You know, yeah. that's okay. I um, think... I've never tried the timing, like actually using a timer to do that, but I really like that because it makes it very impersonal, right? Like it's like, it's the timer's fault, right? Like it's It's like, it's like the, yeah, the clock decided that your time is over. And so it, it, it's something that people are not going to take personally. It's like, oh yeah, my time is up, right? It's like nobody decides it's time to move on from my story to somebody else's story. The clock ran out. Right. So I, I really like that as a strategy for making sure that everybody gets a chance. It's a great equalizer for introverts and extroverts because the extroverts want to prattle, prattle, prattle on. I am talking to myself here <laughs> and totally lose 45 minutes in, you know, telling this whole long story that's probably very entertaining, but ha- it has no real depth. And introverts will take three minutes and say, okay, well, I think I said everything I wanted to say. And and you find like, no, say more, say more. And so it's an equalizer. It's yeah. like, and I think one of the things we talked about too is that, so in order to, and let me just go back and say that there was a whole season where we did not time and it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't horrible. Okay. It was just, it, we would be together for six hours, you know, and it was before yeah. any of us had kids. And, um, and so we could do that and it wasn't the end of the world, but as life got more complicated, it became very clear that, um, one or two people were going to share and then we'd all have to leave. Right. You know, and also sometimes someone will come in like, especially a new mom and she'll say, I have a hard stop at 9 PM or I have a hard yeah. stop at 8 30 PM. And, and we honor that that's fine. So we'll have that person go first to make sure that, you know, so there's, there's practical ways to, to, um, work it. But once we started doing the timer and it was just setting your, the timer on the iPhone and then the person that was timing would tell them when they had like a two minute or one minute warning, and then the alarm would go off, you know, and then wow. okay, yeah. let the alarm go off. And, um, 
Oh, this is the other thing I was going to say is, so if you know that you have 10 to 15 minutes to talk, um, especially if you're an extrovert, what I would always try to do is to think about what I wanted to talk about prior yeah. to evening, you know, mm -hmm. like an introvert usually would have to do that. They would need to think through what they want to share, but extroverts tend to be like, Oh, I'll just get there and kind of off the cuff. Well, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. So really, even if you just have like a post-it note in your post-it notes in your purse or something, or put some notes on your phone, but spend 10 minutes or five minutes thinking through, like, these are the things I really need to talk about tonight. It will be so much richer and encourage everyone to do that so that when your time starts, you're, you're jumping the deep end. Nice. Nice. I love that. <clears throat> I'm going to try that. Yeah. <laughs> and if people got on a long streak, I mean, yeah, we would just like, okay, we need, you know, we would just be kind of not rude, but we need to wrap yeah. it up and transition to the next person. You know, it's yeah. pretty clear. It's pretty clear. That's great. That's great. How many people do you think is good for a group? I, I would always say like six to eight or so. What would you say? Yeah. We have 10 right now. And when okay. we, I mean, it's too many, <laughs> but okay. we, that's what we have. Um, yeah. Yes. I would say, I think we started with probably right there, six to eight. I'd have to go back and really think about mm -hmm. it. But um, I mean, even eight is a lot it's to get there everybody get there everybody have oh, a few oh, minutes oh. to say hi and hug and get their plate full of food and then everyone have time to share with eight people I mean think about it you know that's a lot so um I think I think that's probably the high end yeah but I'm saying that hypocritically because we have 10 so right, right. but I want to ask you Elaine how when when you were in a group that experienced conflict w mm -hmm. within the group yeah. Tell, tell me how, like, how have you dealt with that? I feel like you are very, you're skilled at conflict and I am not skilled at conflict. It's not my favorite thing. So how, how do you help us deal with conflict? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there are lots of different ways to handle it, but I think, um, the thing that's felt like worked best for me is to try to approach the person outside, like as the leader, um, or the facilitator, I think is a better word for that role. Um, to say, hey, um, I noticed you seem like you're struggling in the group. And I think it seems like people are noticing you're not sharing. And I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing. Mm. Um, and she might say, yeah, I'm super mad at, you know, what Mary said to me last week after I shared about my husband's porn addiction. I felt like it was really diminished. And it's actually a huge deal to me. And so I'm just, I'm just super mad at her. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> so I think that the, the plus about having a bit of a debrief outside of the group allows her to process that information and sort of sort out like, what is she feeling? What does she want to say about that? Um, what's really, what else is behind that? It's like, yeah, you're feeling unseen in a lot of ways. So sometimes we inadvertently hurt each other, um, in group by, the things, the responses that we have. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's, she and I sort that out a little bit. What are, what are you feeling? Um, and then what do you want to share about that? Because we need to go back to the group because the group can feel mm -hmm. intuitively, right? We can yes. feel like she's sort of pulling back or she seems upset or she's coming late or whatever, whatever's going on. Um, so let's just talk about it. So, you know, so-and-so I wanted to have some feedback for the group and I, she and I have, 
sort of sorted that out a little bit and I've asked her to share how she's doing. And so she would just say, yeah, sometimes, you know, when I, when I shared about my husband's porn addiction, I felt like I needed, um, I needed something different than I got. And honestly, my feelings were hurt about that, or I felt mad about that. And I just want to tell you what I actually need. And, and then allowing that, I mean, obviously that makes everybody anxious, but you know, this is what we're doing here, right? So we got to build our muscle for tolerating uh, these kind of conversations because they're inevitable. If we're going to do something significant together, if we're going to talk about the messy stuff of our lives, it's going to get messy in the room as mm-hmm. well. And so we want to build our muscle for that. And I just keep saying to people, like, the more we do this, the better we're going to get at it. Right mm-hmm. now, we all feel terrified and we're peeing our pants. But you know what? <laughs> Two months from now, we'll be like, we're so good at this. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Somebody's feelings get hurt and they tell us. And we say, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. What did you need from me? Okay, I can do that in the future. Right? Like, we can actually create some real resolution when we talk about things in the group. And so one of the things that we've said on the front end of group is that if the time comes when you feel upset with someone else in the group, um, bring that to the group, bring that to that person, bring that to the facilitator if you need help um, sorting that out, but do not bring it to each other before that. Mm. That's going to be unproductive, Mm -hmm. right? Because then two women are talking about another woman in the group right. and then they're creating, you know how we do that. We create alliances with each other by complaining about each other. Right. And that's a really unhealthy way to get our needs for connection met. And so what we want to do is keep saying, it's okay if you struggle with someone in the group, if there's a moment that goes sideways or, you know, whatever, it's totally fine. That's inevitable, but bring that to the group, bring that to the person, bring that to the facilitator. If you need help, don't, don't take that sideways and triangulate with somebody else in the group. And um, it just creates so much more of a mess. That's so good. And I love the idea of setting that out in the beginning with like your covenant of your values, that this is how we're going to handle conflict. And this is sort of our rules of engagement for handling conflict. And yeah, we may have to flex that. And even just normalizing that conflict may happen, Mm -hmm. will happen. I love yeah. that. And this is how we're going to handle it. And this is the expectation um, when it when it does happen. That's so helpful. Then you feel like, okay, I know what to do in these yeah. really fragile yeah. situations. And even if like, I mean, obviously it can feel overwhelming to know what to do in situations like that. So I would even just encourage you, if you're, if you're a facilitator of a group, just Google handling conflict. Like what are the, <laughs> what are the ABCs of having a successful confrontation, you know, and then you'll find things like using I statements and stick sticking on your side of the fence. Like I felt hurt when this was said, right? Like depersonalizing instead of attacking, like you said that thing and I'm really pissed about it. it we don't want to say that. We want to say when that statement was made, I just felt invalidated or I felt unseen and that it was really hard for me, right? And we don't have to go on and on about it. We can bullet point it really break it down into one statement that is very much centered on what I felt from my own perspective. Somebody else might not have been upset about that. I happen to have gotten upset about that. And I'm just asking for help with, with that experience in the group. And that really helps the group to move towards you. It's like, Oh, Oh gosh, we're so sorry. We missed that. We, 
behave badly or I hadn't had my coffee yet. And so I was mean to you or whatever. Or like I had a terrible day at work and it wasn't even about you. And I let that come into group and, um, and it wasn't about you. It was about this terrible conversation I had with my boss six hours ago that I can't get away from or right. We, it it opens up like healing, even the possibility of healing and coming toward each other. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And the more often we see ourselves be successful at handling conflict, even though everybody's anxiety will go really high um, for a little bit. When we see when we see somebody in the group, the facilitator saying, this is normal. This is what we're doing. We love each other. We're going to we're going to walk through this difficult conversation. We don't know exactly how it's going to go, but we're going to do it that everybody's sort of like, OK, OK, we're going to do a difficult thing. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, we're so proud of ourselves. Look what we did. When is the yeah. last time when's the last time we handled that successfully? Right. Like that can be a huge step of growth for people, not only just for doing that in the group, but for being able to do that in other relationships in their lives in their partnerships and in their friendships and in their families, like we're teaching each other how to handle difficult conversations by doing them. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Whew, that yeah, was a lot of business. That, that's, that feels so helpful to me. I just want to say a couple more little quick bullet point things. Um, one that um, after uh, someone has shared, it can be hard to know what to say. And one thing that we have found as well as just kind of a validation of what that person shared. But um, one thing that we, we have done in our group is someone will ask, is there anything you need or want from us? Mm-hmm. And what's nice about a question or statement like that is that we're checking in with that person. Do they need some, um, do they need to brainstorm solutions? Likely no, but maybe they do. Um, do they need to just be validated and and they can actually name what they need. And that has, I think, helped us bypass some conflict because we just asked the question, is there anything you need from us? And a lot of times it's like, no, I just needed you guys to listen, you know, but it's helpful to ask that question sometimes because it gives the person who's sharing an opportunity to say what they do need. And, um, I think that that has helped us to avoid glossing over something or, um, you know, just not paying the kind of particular attention that that person needed at the time. Yes, totally. I love that. So it's okay to ask, is there yeah. anything that you need us right now? It's okay to ask that. And yeah. then the other thing is we had a couple of, um, one in particular, a patch that um, was just, it was just a difficult patch in our group. And I'll just share what I shared. Um, there was some dissatisfaction Uh, There was some frustration and I just brought everyone together and I reminded all of us that we are the group. The group is not a thing that exists out here, that it's our coming to the table, our participation, our investment, our empathy, validation, care for each other that in real time forms this living organism. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're frustrated or you're, um, you're dissatisfied, there could be some really good reasons why, of course, but also don't forget that you are a part of that living organism. And so are you coming with what you need to do to make the group better that evening, to make the group more, more caring and, um, better listening and deeper. 
And um, don't stand off and say, well, if so-and-so was only better, or if these people were only this, that, and the other, make sure that you're thinking about yourself and how you're investing Mm. as well. So we are the group. So good. So good. Love that. Well, those were a lot, a lot of tips. I think that we all have good intentions when we start new relationships and we start new groups and, um, and we can sometimes find ourselves in the weeds. And so I, yes, we just, we offered a lot of information, but I think a lot of that we've probably learned the hard way. Totally. And, um, so I think, I think we want to offer like, don't, these are the things yeah. that, do, that are not going to work. They're going to blow yeah. up in your face and learn from us. Right. Yeah. You totally. I mean, I remember the very first time I did a really honest group where I was really honest. I think I called every the day after we met. I I must have called everybody every week to say, "I'm so sorry about that thing that I said. I'm I, I'm worried that I made you feel worse about your situation or whatever." Like I just felt like I had so many things to apologize for because I just it was so new to me, and I just was screwing it up every single time. But um, I would feel better, right? Like I would just feel like oh, okay, it's fixable, right? Like uh, just call yeah. and apologize and ask wh- what did you need instead? And that seemed to work. So that was really great. It was it was so a great good. learning experience. It's like adulting, right? Like totally. totally. Yeah. totally. I, feel that. I feel that. I feel like I, I, I need to apologize to every person I was ever in a group with because I'm not great with conflict. And I just... I have been conflict avoidant at times. And I think people got hurt because of my unwillingness to step in mm-hmm. and help people navigate conflict in a more productive way. And so um, I particularly love what you shared about that because it hits home for me. I, I, It's an area of weakness for me. But when we do it well, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, being an adult. <laughs> you know, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, look at us. It does feel very grown up when we're doing it. Okay. Well, Leanna, that was a lot of good stuff again. And um, I just, you know, as we've already said, we love groups so much um, and we love creating experiences for people to come together and share with each other. And that reminds me of our fabulous writers retreat coming up in April, April 2nd to the 6th um, on Orcas Island. Leanna, of course, our in-house, what do you call that? Your resident, your resident author? Writer in residence. (laughs) (laughs) Writer in residence. I love it. Residence. There we go. I feel like there is a fancy title for that. So of course, Leanne is going to be there and, and taking us through all the ins and outs of how to get your work done and what to do when you feel stuck. And, and then how do you submit a proposal? And we'll have Angela, um, the agent is going to be there uh, for you to pitch your work. And if you're if you're somebody who's writing, who's working on being a writer, who's dabbling in being a writer, we'd love for you to join us. The deadline for signing up is March the 1st. So we are quickly approaching that. But um, we want to let you know about it because we we're so excited about it. And it's going to be a delicious experience in every way, I think. And um, can't wait. We can't wait to do it. Love it delicious experience. Yes, it's going to be fabulous and um, a safe space to, uh, yeah, just just kind of get unstuck and dive deeper into your own work and um, get excited about how to move forward in your process. So mm-hmm. I can't wait. I really can't mm-hmm. wait. And Elaine, I can't wait to figure out what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> right? I think it'll can't come wait. like in the middle of the night when like I have to pee. 
I'll wake up, <laughs> have to pee really bad, and then it will just like land like on Shazam. my mouth. I love I'll you. <laughs> and you guys, if you have any questions about groups, about female friendships, about this writing retreat, or also topics that you'd like us to tackle going forward, please reach out to us. It's really fun when um, we get interaction from you guys and what's working and what you'd like more of and all of that. So please feel free and reach out to us. Totally. Thanks for listening, you guys. We love you. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is Soul Care House and Barn. Talk to you soon.